Okay, grab your Bibles and, and hop up real quick. I'm going to let your legs get a break because we're about to take off. Turn to 1 Samuel 17. Hee <laughs> hee. 1 Samuel, you make 1 Samuel 17. <laughs> you can turn there. I could, I'm sorry, I'm from Washington, D.C. I couldn't help but say that. 1 Samuel 17. Some of you will get it later. Uh, verse 50, we're going to read, we're going to pray, and we're going to, we're off. I've got a word that I believe is a prophetic word for us, for our church, for triumph. And that it's something that God's saying this year, and I want you to be a part of it. 1 Samuel 17, verse 50, it says this. So David prevailed over the Philistine. Didn't even dignify the dude with a name. He prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Killed him, depending on where you're from. And there was no sword in the hand of of David. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, breathe on your word. Let it be life to us. Let it not just go in our ears, but enliven our heart and cause us to follow you and to seek you and to believe you for great things in Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. High five somebody and sit down. 3,000 years ago, we just read of the most iconic battle in human history. It was a defining battle for the people of Israel, for the nation of Israel, and really for mankind ever since. What we just read was an excerpt, was a summary of the most profound battle of battles of all of the ages. It's the battle where an underdog, a little boy shepherd, was pitted against a skilled warrior a giant. And against all odds, this little boy, David, defeated, slew, conquered this Goliath of a man. And scripture records this whole story in 1 Samuel 17, and you should refresh yourself and read it a little later. But in in 1 Samuel 17, he, he summarizes this moment and this battle, this opportunity, this display of courage, this miracle, literally propelled David, propelled this young shepherd boy into his God-destined future. You could look back over the life of David. It was no doubt this moment, this specific opportunity that catapulted him from obscurity into popularity. The king did not know his name, and after he was saying, who is this kid? He moved right into his future, his life, his purpose, his opportunity. Literally, this one battle, this moment, this opportunity for courage, like the slingshot in which he put the stone to slay Goliath, David literally was put in a slingshot and slung forward in his life and in his destiny and in his future. At the beginning of the year, I believe that the Lord said, this is my slingshot year. And I've been just declaring that over our church. I preached it the whole month of January. We, we, we dug it out in uh, our 21 days of prayer. But I believe that a prophetic word that is being issued from God is that this year is your slingshot year. It is my slingshot year. I'm declaring it. I'm already seeing it happen. It's a year to prevail over giants. It's a year that, that through the most unconventional methods, God will propel us forward. It's a year with new opportunities, with unconventional tools that God puts in front of us. It's a year to get ahead. It's a year to advance. It's a year to make progress, to close the gap, to kill the giants, to face your fears, to execute what God has called you to do, to use your gifts and your skills, to leverage them 
It's a year for a revelation of your purpose. It's a year for disproportionate victory. The victory that David wrought was disproportionate. There's no reason that one sling, one stone, one man down should have caused that huge of a victory. But it did. Because it was his slingshot moment. And as I'm preaching this and as I'm declaring this, we're seeing this happen. In the first 20 days, I had three major prayer requests personally for our family. As I was declaring this, I said, God, we have to have financial viability. We have to have a miracle in finances for our life, for our church, all of that. We have to have space. We, we're, we're portable. We only exist an hour and a half a week. We've got to have some type of permanent space. And we have to have a miracle in our family, specifically in my teenagers. And in those 21 days, as I begin to declare the word of the Lord, this is my slingshot year. This is the year to go further and faster. By the end of those 21 days, in one moment, God released supernaturally divine provision, $100,000 to our church, our family, our cause. In that same moment, he said, I'm going to provide for you guys to have a permanent space to meet, to office, not to gather for church, but at least a headquarters, at least a hub. We're going to make that happen for you. And in that one moment, at the conclusion of this declaration, of this time of prayer and fasting, God did some radical things in terms of bringing our kids back and putting them back on the right path. I'm telling you, this is not a gimmick. This is not something that I'm just saying, but I believe this is the word of the Lord, and I want you to grab hold of it. There were three keys, at least, in this passage, and I'm going to move through these quickly, that were instrumental in David slingshotting forward, that allowed him to capture this moment and to go further faster. Everybody say, go further faster. The first key that David employed that I believe you and I must have is vision. Everybody shout vision. And if we understand that you have to have vision to go further faster, what we mean is that what you see is what you get. In the book of Proverbs, it says that a vision constrains us, that when there's no prophetic revelation, the people perish, they cast off restraint, anything goes, because a vision gives us parameters, it connects us to the eternal, it fuels us, it gives us a picture of what our future is, and vision made the difference in this story for David. I believe specifically in three areas, vision made the difference for David. First of all, the way that he saw himself made the difference in this battle. I want to ask you this question. What is it that informs your vision of yourself? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as the conglomeration of your genetics, your biology, your ethnicity, your uh, town in which you live, your status on the job, how much money you have in the bank? Is your vision of yourself circumstantial based upon your circumstances? Because David could have easily had a low vision of himself if he looked at his circumstances. He was the youngest of all of his sons. Even his own dad overlooked him. He was a shepherd. Everybody else, all of his other brothers were on the battlefield. And David got caught like a little girl to bring cheese and food to his brothers. If he allowed his circumstance to inform his vision of himself, there's no way he would have taken on Goliath. But you see, there's another way to look at yourself, and that is a providential or a prophetic vision of yourself. And I believe David would have never taken on Goliath if it hadn't been for 1 Samuel chapter 16. Because in 1 Samuel 16, before Goliath was on the battlefield, David was out in the sheep pasture. And the prophet Samuel came to Jesse, David's father. And he said, Jesse, there's a new king that's coming to Israel. And it's one of your sons. Line him up. He had a flask of oil and a word in his mouth. And he went down and thought, surely it's going to be this strikingly handsome young man. And it wasn't. And he went on down the line. And none of the sons that Jesse, David's own father, presented were the ones. 
He said, there's got to be another one. And even his own dad didn't recognize what God had on his life. He said, oh, that little insignificant guy's out in the sheep herder. Samuel said, go get him. He said, because man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. And that little boy came smelling like sheep, right standing before the prophet of God, all squirrely and burly with a flask of oil, and he poured it on top of his head. And he said, thus says the Lord God of Israel, you are the next king. I have deposed Saul, though he still has the crown on his head. You're the one that's going to take the kingdom. And he wiped the oil off of his head, and he picked up his staff, and he went back out into the shepherd field. And nothing changed except his vision of himself. And days later, when he was standing before a nine-foot giant and all of the people who should have been fighting weren't fighting, his vision of himself said, this is my opportunity. God has anointed me. This is my moment. And because he had a prophetic vision of himself, it enabled him to do what he could not do previously. How you see yourself. We also have to have a, a, a different vision of our battle. Everybody shout my battle. You see, how do, this has to do with how do, you view, uh, how do you view obstacles? How do you view challenges in life? Do you look at a challenge in life and do you see it as an obstacle or do you see it as an opportunity? Because what you see is what you get. I mean, David could have easily looked at this nine-foot hunk of, of warrior and seen this is, this is, this is just, we're, we're done. Look at this obstacle in the way of Israel's moving forward. But he didn't. He looked at that giant and he didn't see an obstacle, but he saw an opportunity. In fact, when you really read it out in uh, 1 Samuel 17 and you see those, those um, words that David uses, he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? You know, I can take you. To which Goliath scoffs, Right? But it was because not only did his vision of his self change, but the way that he looked at challenges changed when he was anointed by God. And it was his slingshot moment, and he saw a challenge, and instead of viewing it as an obstacle, he viewed it as an opportunity. You see, when you see challenges as obstacles, you become the victim, you become the martyr, and you become the helpless individual. Oh no, poor me, what can I do? But when you view it as an opportunity, it empowers you. Then you're the victor, you're the change agent. You're the one with a slingshot. Because destiny comes in the form of an opportunity that's disguised in a problem. And what you see is what you get. The other thing relating to vision that changed, that helped David slingshot forward, was how he saw his God. How he saw himself, how he saw his obstacles, his challenges, his battle, and how he saw his God. You see, Goliath used his God's little g. Right? The scripture said that he insulted Israel by cursing them in the name of his gods, little g. Goliath's vision of God, little g, was I'm going to use these gods to serve my purpose. David had an altogether different way of looking at God, big G. He said, God is going to use me to serve his purpose. He says, I'm not fighting this battle for myself. You're picking on my God, and my God will use me as I surrender to him to kick your butt. (laughs) I can say that. I can say that in D.C. I can say that here, right? It was a God-honoring vision that made all the difference. How do you see yourself? Because that's going to determine whether you're able to capture the slingshot moment and make this year your slingshot year. The second thing that's important that was a key to David 
was his experience. Everybody shout experience. What helped him slingshot forward in his life was his experience. And this is what I want to tell you as it relates to experience is that where you've been has prepared you for where you are. When you look at 1 Samuel 17 and a few verses there, uh, verses maybe 34 through 37, David literally appeals. He's begging the king to let him take on the giant. And the case, like an attorney that he's building before the king to let him, the king was such a coward, he should have been the one out there fighting. But David was having to make his case to take advantage of this opportunity and to propel his people forward. And the case that he makes before the king is this in verse 34. He says, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. Wait a minute, you're going after a giant and you're going to tell me, oh, this is why I can kick his butt because I used to keep sheep? And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock and went after him, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. He was a pretty bad dude. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine. There's a lot of comments I could make right there that I'm going to just write bypass, especially in light of our presidential election cycle. For he has defied the armies of the living God. He picked a battle with God, not me, David said. And David said, the Lord, listen to what he, his appeal to the king is based on his history. He says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And after Saul heard that, he said, go and the Lord be with you. You know, knock on wood. Where you have been has prepared you for where you are. Can I tell you that your past has perfectly suited you for your present opportunity? You don't need any more preparation. For what God has right in front of you, you're ready. God has credentialed you for your present through the struggle of your past. What you've been through has prepared you for where you're sent to. David said, I've tackled things in the, in the, in the back end of my life that you don't know about and I'm ready. And this is important. And here's why it's important. Because the trick of the enemy is to get you to think that you're not ready. That you're almost ready. That you will be one day. That you're not prepared. That you're not able. So that you can say, well, someday it'll happen. So you just push it off to tomorrow. You push it off to next week. You push it off to, to, to at some point, maybe. But David said, my past has perfectly prepared me. Because he learned, you know what he learned in his past? First of all, he learned how to be a steward. He learned stewardship. He said, I used to keep my father's sheep, not even his own sheep, but I learned how to be faithful in what is another man's. Now I'm ready for what's my own. Right? Another thing that he learned is skill. He said, hey, in, in this time when I was tending sheep, I didn't have to fight a giant, but I fought some pretty bad creatures and I have honed my skill that I'm going to use. And it's not a skill with a sword, but it's a sling. And my past has prepared me for this moment because I've been honing skill in the past. Somebody shout amen. Because struggle hones your skill. How do you sharpen a knife? You get it some friction going, right? You put it against that stone. Because nothing hones your skill except struggle. And in the struggle of your past, God has honed the skill that you need for your future. Because where you've been has prepared you for this moment. Somebody shout amen. You know what also he, he, he discovered in the experience of his past is, is his spirit, this grit, this tenacity. You see, you, you don't develop tenacity by having a comfortable life. 
you got to walk through some things to get some grit. And David said, you know, I remember taking down that lion and that bear with my bare hands. And it developed in me this grit, this just perseverance, this push into the struggle instead of run away from the struggle. And now there's a giant and he's a piece of cake because God has developed in me a spirit that says we can take it. Be careful what you say about your past. Be careful how you negatively look at your past. Be careful how you complain about what you've had to go through because it could be those very things that God has used to prepare you for what you're about to walk into. Your past is key to your present. And if that is true, which it is, then that means that what you do right now is significant because today will become the past of tomorrow. What you've been through has prepared you for where you are. Where you are. If to slingshot forward, you need to capitalize, capture the wealth that's been developed through your experience. The third key that David leveraged to go further faster, where God used it to slingshot him forward, is the key of resource. Everybody shout resource. Y'all don't need resource, obviously, or you wouldn't shout it like that. <laughs> resource. resource! And here's the good, bad, and the ugly of resource. What you need, you already have. Can you say that as painful as it may be? Shout, what I need, I already have. First Samuel, the scripture that we led off with, chapter 17, verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine. With what? With a sling and a stone, and he struck him, and he killed him, and there was no sword in the hand of David. Why? Because David didn't have a sword. And guess what? David didn't need a sword, because what he needed, he already had. You see, many of us can look at resource in a couple of ways. First of all, there are those people who look at resource and say, well, I I just don't have what I need. Right? I mean, we're not gonna, I'm not, not going to ask you to show hands here. But you just, your general attitude is, I just don't have it. Whatever I need, I just I don't have it. Then there are some people who say, well, I'll, I'll never have what I need. You know, I'll, I'll just never have it. You know, this is my history. This is my lot in life. I'll never what I, what I have what I need to do what God's called me to do. And then some people have this attitude of, I almost have it. I almost have what I need. And this is where the enemy loves to catch us. It's just out of reach. Have you noticed whatever in your mind is just out of reach is always just out of reach? It's this trick to think that, that, that what I need is almost, it's just out of reach. Or everybody else has it, but not me. And so we play this if I, then I game, you know. If I get this, then I'll be able to do this. Or a when I, then I. Well, when this happens, then I'll be able to do that, right? Whatever the game that we're playing, it's pushing what God has called us to do and what opportunity is right in front of us way out into the future so that it's out of our control and we absolve ourselves of responsibility. And God says, no, the key in your hand to slingshot your life forward is a key of resource. And what that key says is that what you need, you already have. The problem with the if I then I is that it's depressing. First of all, it makes you anxious. 
causes you to envy other people, and it's disempowering. But what if I told you that what you need to do what God has called you to do for what's right in front of you right now, you already possess? It's already right there. It's right within reach. How empowering would that be? How freeing would that be to know that God would not call me to do something that he has not already given me the tools to do it? How transformative. Could it change everything if we looked at our current situation, at our opportunity in front of us and say, whatever we need, whatever I need to do, whatever opportunity is in front of me, God has already suited me, has already given me the tools that I need to make it happen. Because that's really the crux of this story of David and Goliath. I mean, the, the, the big picture of the story of David and Goliath is that what Israel thought they needed, which was a skilled combat soldier, what Saul thought that he needed, which was this big, heavily armed man of war, what Goliath thought he needed, which he says, give me a man and let us fight together, is what he says. They didn't have. But the truth is, What they needed, they already had. They had a champion, they had a warrior, and they had a man. It was just in the package of a teenage shepherd boy. This revolutionary insight of everything I need, I already have. Say that again. Everything I need, I already have. And let me say it this way. All you have is all you need when it's surrendered to God. That's the caveat. All you have is all you need because, listen, either we serve a good father or we serve a sick, twisted, and perverted father. A sick, twisted, and a perverted father will tell you to do something that you're not equipped to do. He will send you into a battle that you're not equipped to win. He will put you out there, cross his fingers, and say, oh, this will be a laugh. Let's see if he, if he prevails. But a good father would never do that. I would never do that to my children. I want to set them up for success. I want to send them in to develop their muscle, to develop their maturity, but knowing that I've stacked the deck. Knowing that when I send them into a battle, I know they're already equipped to win it. I just want them to have the joy of experiencing victory. If that is me as an imperfect father, your heavenly father is that times a hundred. All I have is all I need. When I surrender it to God, he takes what I have and he makes it what I need. Have we not learned that through the parables of Jesus where he takes what the little boy has and he makes it what the crowd needs? What if that little boy or Jesus told him, well, not enough. Go back and find some more. But the principle that Jesus teaches over and over again that the stories of of Scripture illustrate is that God has already given his people everything that they need to accomplish what he has right before them. All they have to do is surrender it to God and be courageous enough to step out and let him take it and make it what he needed. He already had a ram in the bush for Abraham. Abraham just needed to surrender Isaac to God. He already had a boat ready for Noah. Noah just had to step out in faith and act on God's instruction. Moses already had a rod in his hand. God didn't say, well, if you're going to deliver my people from Egyptian bondage, then you better go to school. You better get another degree. You better wait till you got about $20,000 in the bank. You better make sure that you've bulked up and you've lost weight and you look just right and everybody likes you. He said, no, what is in your hand, Moses? 
throw it down, surrender it to me, and I'll take what you have and make it what you need. We have to stop looking at what is just out of reach. And we have to look at what is within reach. Jesus' message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach for everybody. What you need for the next, God has already given you. You have to steward it. You have to work it. You have to see it differently. You have to maximize it. Listen, David had four weapons at his disposal. He had four four keys right there that we read in Scripture right there. And and I believe you have these same things that will slingshot you forward. The first thing that he had, he had a staff. Everybody shout a staff. That represented his current opportunities. He was a shepherd. That was his current lot in life. It was his current opportunities, his skills, his relationships, his experiences that he had right now. And God used it to slingshot him forward as he navigated when Goliath is on this side of the mountain and David's on this side of the mountain and he had to cobble down that descending slope and go up to meet him in the valley he used his current opportunities and skills and relationships to help him navigate that unfamiliar terrain your next always comes from your now Then the second thing it says that he had was a stone, right? I mean, he picked up five, but he only had to use one. And what that tells me is that whatever he needed was right within reach. He didn't have the stone in his bag because he had emptied his bag to put bread and cheese in there. But he was able to bend right down. He didn't have to go make a four-hour trek and polish some stones. But he bent down into a riverbed because what he needed to kill the giant in front of him was right within his reach. I believe that there is overlooked resource in your life that will help propel you forward, but it's overlooked. So sometimes we don't need to say, oh God, we're looking yards into the future. And God says, well, just pause. Now look right within reach. There's something that you're not seeing that I want to use to slingshot you forward, but you've overlooked it. Is anybody getting this? He had a shepherd's pouch. These were the four things that he had, right? He had a sling. He had a stone. He had... A staff, and he had a shepherd's pouch, which represented his capacity. Right? Now, let me ask you this. If David still had his pouch full of bread, he wouldn't have had room for those five stones. So he had to give out everything that he had to make room for what God wanted to put inside of him. The way forward is to enlarge our capacity to make room. And then the last thing is is his sling, which I believe is his potential. Your, your capacity relates to what you can contain, but your potential is how far you can go. And the sling that was in David's hand took a common object like a stone and turned it into a missile. I mean, literally, professional slingers could have gotten that stone propelled with the same force of a forty-five caliber pistol. It was his, his, it was his potential, it was his skills, his hobbies, you know. I mean, who would have thought when he's practicing this on the backside of the desert that that was going to be the very tool that God used? Is it that skill? Is it that thing that is a hobby in your life right now that you're just toying with that you don't know because we don't know what God's doing? I mean, give me a break. We act all powerful and prophetic and we don't have a clue what God's doing. 
Could it be that little thing you're tinkering with? God put a love in your heart for that because at some point he's going to call upon that potential, that skill to slingshot you forward. Maybe we would take a different look at, at the things that we spend our time on if we realize that God could use that. Your sling is, is transferable acumen. That means it's skill that you've developed in one arena that can be transferred and leveraged to another. If you know how to sell uh, hot dogs, then that means you know how to sell clothes. If you know how to sell clothes, then that means you know how to sell cars. If you know how to sell cars, then you make them buy and sell trade stocks, right? I mean, I don't know because I'm not a, a professional guy like that, right? But I'm just saying, what you've learned in one area can be transferred, that body of knowledge, and leveraged in another area. And that's how God wants to slingshot us forward. Stand on your feet this morning. I want to pray for you. I'm just coming in like with a machine gun. Just want to give you a lot of stuff to think about, right? Because it's not about the information. Nothing that I've shared is profound in terms of information. But I want you to catch the heart of God, the Spirit of God. What is the Holy Spirit doing right now? I've grabbed this message and I've declared this is my slingshot year. This is the year that I'm going to go further, faster. This is a year that our church is going to go further faster. This is a year that I'm going to stop whining about what I don't have and I'm going to embrace what I do have. It's a year where I'm going to stop looking at myself according to my circumstance and I'm going to start looking at myself through the eyes of God. This is a year where I'm not going to worry about, uh, I'm not going to complain about what I had to go through to get here or what I might go through in the future. But I'm going to say what I've been through has prepared me for where God is sending me and what God has commissioned for me to do. This is your slingshot year. What you see is what you get. Where you've been is where has prepared you for where you are. And what you need, you already have. Lift up your hands and let me bless you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I release this word over you as you have released it over me. I, I release this over your people, God. And I declare for them, may this year be a slingshot year. May you put them in your sling and may you fling them further, faster than they ever thought they could go. May their eyes be open to see resource that's been overlooked. May their heart be ready to look at their past through different eyes and see how it's prepared them for where they are. And will you just change the way that we view ourselves and let us see ourselves through your eyes. God, you have anointed each person here. You have placed your hand. Lord, they should have been long gone. They should have been uh, mistreated, divorced, fired, whatever you want to say. It should have happened, God, but it didn't happen. Somehow they're standing. Somehow they made it into the house of the Lord this morning. Somehow it didn't kill them. That disease did not kill them. That, that problem did not take them out. You've anointed them. Now fling them forward into their future. In Jesus' name, amen.